0: If you have your Bible, please turn to the book of James chapter number... One, and verse number two, and while your fingers are perusing through that, let me hear those pages rustle because I'm old school. I like, I like rustling of pages. And I mean, I love the screen and I love the, the phones and all that, but there's something about those pages rustling. I get to hold the infallible, inherent word of God in my possession. You know, when I go to China, when I go to Nepal and India, these people crave the word of God. They want a copy of the word of God. And here we are. Oh, we have so many Bibles in our homes that it's unbelievable how many Bibles. But cherish that Bible. Cherish the word of God. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The statutes of the Lord are right and righteous altogether. Oh, boy, I love the word of God. Do you love the word of God today? Amen. And we are going to feast on that bread of life today, the word of God. And so James chapter number one, verse number two. Count it all joy, my brothers. Let me see your joy faces. There it is, there it is. Look at those. You know what? You've got so much joy in your face right now. It's radiating the love of God and it's radiating Jesus out of you. Take that outside of this church and let the city know that we've got the J. O-Y-J-E-S-U-S in my soul. And it is going to radiate out the joy. Count it all joy. My brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Oh, years ago, a lady by the name of Marilyn had a column in the newspaper. And Marilyn began writing in this column, and she would write, and people would write back to her. One day, she decided to write a column. And the column uh, that she decided to write about, her name is Marilyn Volcevant. And Marilyn replied to one of her readers. She said this, The grass looks greener on the other side of the fence because you're not close enough to see the dirt. Most of the time, things look better for others simply because we can't see their dirt. I'll come back and read that and let that sink in a little bit, but the premise of her writing was she would stand at her yard which she took care of. It was always just beautiful, but she noticed that her neighbor on the right her gra- their grass was a lot greener than her grass. She looked over to her left and their grass was much greener than her grass, and every morning before she would go off to work, she would look and admire Her grass, but it was hard for her to appreciate fully because the other grass was always greener on the right and on the left. And so, you know, they didn't have tropical landscape to take care of their yard. So she went over there, and she stood over at her other yard, and she her neighbor had just finished doing their yard work, and so she went over there and said, "May I come over here and just look at your yard?" And he said, "Well, sure, of course. You have a beautiful yard yourself." And she said, "Well, I just, I, I just." got to get something out of my mind. And so she stood there and she said, boy, this is nice, but for some reason, my grass looks a little greener than his grass. And so she went over there, stood at the fence and she just leaned over and she said, no, this grass looks better. And no, then she went back over here again. She said, wait, I don't get this. And the neighbor said to her, what I just read to you, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence because you're not close enough to see the dirt. Most things look better for others simply because we can't see their dirt. You see, when you stand afar off, it looks nicer, doesn't it? That family that has their marriage all together, that family where their children are like angels, That husband who opens the door for his wife. That wife who comes home and while she's had a full day herself, she's already made dinner and given her husband a foot massage. That's what happens on TV, so it's got to happen in real life. You know, that church down in, you name it, they got it all together. (sighs) Ah. Why can't we be like that? Well, when we get into the comparison trap, we have the tendency to look at our own dirt, even though the grass is green. And so we're always thinking that it's better over on the other side of the fence. I like what someone once said, why is the grass always greener than on the other side? Probably because you ain't watering yours. So why don't you start watering? Water the Holy Spirit of God, the word of God, and infuse it in your grass and see how it grows. Sometimes our perspective is just a little off. If you are like most people from time to time, you'll find yourself in difficult trials. Those unwelcome moments of life, you and I wish we could escape. In fact, that might be your life today. That might be your life right now. Whether it's in your private, personal life or in the life of your church. You wish certain trials and certain outcomes would just not be. I want to speak to you about this subject. Is it a blessing or a burden? You've got to answer that in your own heart today. Is it a blessing or is it a burden? Because the book of James tells us that to count it all joy when you fall into different kinds of trials. For you don't know that the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. It's still at work. We just got to let him work. One of our pastors, Wayne Smith, preached a message about a month ago, talking about the Potter and the clay. It's got to let it let it have its full effect. Sometimes we just want to get off of the wheel because it hurts. Conforming hurts. Transformation hurts. The hot fire hurts, but he's making something beautiful out of this church. He's making something glorious out of this church. He's making something marvelous out of his church. And it's gotta go through the hard times. It's gotta go through the fire. It's gotta go through the chiseling. It's gotta go use all those instruments. It's gonna hurt a little bit, but when it's all done, oh, how beautiful the work of God. Romans 5, three says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. So James tells us to count it all joy. And now the book of Romans tells us not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces character and character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts that through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yes, that's right. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. So because the Holy Spirit has been given to us, we abide in the spirit of God. He has never left us. He has never forsaken us. And he is still the head of this church. I can hold on to his promises. The day that trials come to this church was not God saying up in heaven, me." What happened to that church? God already knew what would happen to this church and it didn't catch God by surprise. You may have said OMG, but God didn't say OMG because God is still the head of this church. And if he is the head, he controls all things because he is sovereign, he is God, he is providential, he is supreme, and he is king forevermore. And if one moment that we as the bride of Christ ever thought, if we as a pastor group, if we as elders, if we as congregations ever said that, no, King Jesus is not the Lord of this church, shame on us, and it would be the day of Ichabod. But for the past almost three months now, Your elders and your pastors have joined together and we have prayed earnestly for this church. We have hurt, we have mourned, we have grieved, we grieve with you. We realize things aren't perfect, but that's because we're not perfect. You're not perfect and I'm not perfect. Whoops, sorry to let the cat out of the bag. We're going to make mistakes. Because we're humans. It's time for the elders and the pastors of the church, as we are doing right now, to just get out of the way. It's time for the leaders and the people of God to just get out of the way and let God be God. It's time for you to let King Jesus be back on his throne. There's a time for weeping. There's a time for crying. There's a time for laughing. There's a time for joy. Aren't you glad that joy comes in the morning? Aren't you glad that in the darkest of night comes the bright, glorious morning Son of God who's going to glorify himself through a people who are broken, through a people who are in pain, through a people who are confused, through a people who are frustrated. He says, okay, I see you're breaking. Let me just love on you for a moment and let me be God. That's the moment when the glory of God is able to radiate his majesty upon this church. So is it a blessing or is it burden? Because if I'm not mistaken, my burdens are light. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. That's your Lord Jesus Christ who said that. Cast your cares upon the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7, for he cares for you. Is it a blessing or is it a burden? If you were to ask a little teenage girl by the name of Mary and her boyfriend, fiance, Joseph, who was visited by an angel of God and said, oh, Mary, beloved daughter of God, you have found favor in God's sight. And in your womb, you are going to carry not just a baby, but you're going to carry the child of God. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you will conceive a child, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph, your fiance Mary. I know you are just young kids, but you're going to have a baby and you ain't the daddy. I didn't need Jerry Springer or Maury Povich to read a note and tell me, who's the baby daddy? It ain't you, Joseph. God is going to be the heavenly father. And you're just going to be an instrument to raise this child up for my glory. And he will save his people alive the governments will be upon his shoulders he is going to set us free what would it be like in that moment for you is it a burden or is it a blessing you see when we take the perspective of a joseph and mary the bible says mary took all those things and she pondered it in her heart And she considered all those things. Let's read together Matthew 1, verse number 18. As you turn there, let me ask you a couple questions. When these trials come, how do you respond? How do you respond when the hurt is real? How do you respond when you feel the walls are closing in? How do you respond when things happen totally outside of your control? Allow me to offer some sound biblical direction from the word of God, some words of encouragement. I want to show you that how those trials can in fact be tremendous blessings in your life. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Matthew 118, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, to Jesus, uh, to, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, because that's our human tendency to have fear. When we start allowing fear to cripple in, we start doubting God. When we allow fear to cripple in, when we allow our mind to race and wonder what's gonna happen, what are they going to think about us? Oh, we didn't even do this. This was not our own doing. It was God who was doing it. Uh, Take that application and apply that to our church. What are you doing, God? Is this something that I wanted? Is this something you wanted? No, the pain is real. Hashtag that struggle is real. But did you notice what was going on? This this wrestling of Joseph and Mary and fear. What are they going to think of us? They're going to think that we we, 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 we made this up. They're going to think that we're the ones who are trying to make things happen. And no, we, we're not. We're pure. We're innocent. Well, That's what Joseph and Mary were trying to say. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is the work of God. No one else. The work of God. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name. Say it with me. Jesus. What God is birthing in us is more glorious than we can ever imagine. We thought we were just going to have a child. But what God is doing in our womb is much greater. It is for the destiny of the world. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill. Listen now. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Our response to what we believe is a burden may actually be improper. If we knew in advance it was actually meant to be a blessing. If you can just tear back the curtains and just ask God, God, why did you give this to me? Well, my son, it's so that I can bless you. But God, it doesn't feel like a blessing. I know. You see, without, with everything that is of worth and of greatness, like a diamond, like gold, it's got to go through a process. Ask any mother who's ever given child, birth to a child. It's a process. It doesn't happen, whoop, she's pregnant. There it is. And then here comes the baby, the day after. Good thing I didn't have to go through trimester number one, two, and three. I didn't need pickles and ice cream after all, and potato chips, and french fries with fish and chips. That's a weird combination. I can only testify of what I've experienced. (sighs) My wife is right here. You see, when we have the right perspective, we understand it takes a process. And there's some pains in that process. But the moment is glorious when the baby comes forth. And all of a sudden, you feel like it was worth it all. There's an old hymn. Gospel choirs used to sing it. It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus face to face. I wish I had a Randy Miller voice so I'd sing it for you. But I don't. God just gave me a yelling voice. (laughs) Birth is beautiful. But it's really not. (laughs) Because when that baby comes out, a lot of other stuff comes out with it. (laughs) And they got to clean it up. Sorry, teenagers that didn't go to IYC, you're here. This is rated a little bit in between PG-13 and R. But they got to clean it up. And a lot of crying, a lot of nurturing, a lot of care, a lot of love. But after it's given birth, do you just leave the baby? Well, that was done. You're on your own now. What God is trying to birth in us got a new church name, Pathway Church. We've got an invigorated vision, we've got a passion, we've got a love. We've got a unity. We've got us doing something. And what God is birthing, we're not going to just let it alone to take care of itself. I'm going to let you take care of it. I'll see you in one year, hopefully when things are better. Am I, I know that's a little harsh for Sunday morning. I'll come back and visit in five years. You know, maybe when you've got a new pastor and all that stuff and things have calmed down. Go ahead and say that to your baby. I'll come back when you've learned how to talk and walk. I'll come back when you're ready to pay for your own college and take care of us. It didn't work like that, does it? We we need each other. Brothers and sisters, we need each other. The What does having the understanding of, is it a blessing or is it a burden? Number one, you have to have the right perspective. The right perspective. Seeing life's trials as a blessing starts with having the right perspective. That's not my perspective. That's not your perspective. That is God's perspective. What is God's perspective? That perspective is this. God allows trials in your life to help you grow up, to mature you in the faith, to mature you in him. In other words, you will never grow in your walk with Christ without trials. God uses them to be your teacher and to make you into the person he wants you to be. Every trial is a test to the next level. Every trial is a test to the next level. You can't graduate kindergarten until you've learned how to say your ABCs. One, two, got to know your ABCs. Then you can move over to grade number one and then to grade number two. But every single grade, it is going to get a little tougher and a little tougher and a little tougher. And all of a sudden, your son's going to ask you how to do algebra. And you'll be like, um... It's just going to get, that's a personal testimony. Sorry, I went there. Just because I'm Asian doesn't mean I'm good in math. (laughs) (laughs) Write this down in your heart. New levels, new devils. You wonder why it gets a little harder every single time? Because when you're playing Mario Brothers and you're... (sighs) put that cassette in, old school Nintendo, and you're like running and then you're like hopping on that thing and boing, that mushroom comes out and you grab that mushroom and you grow and then you're going and all of a sudden you face the first master of that level. And you're like, I can't believe it, I beat it. And then you go on to level two and you're like, ooh, that was a little harder. I can't figure this out. And level three, it gets a little harder and then all of a sudden you meet Bowser and you recognize that this is harder than you thought. New levels, new devils. God is taking us on a path, on a pathway on a journey and we'll we'll face some devils along the way and we're going to face some evil along the way because what God is birthing in you will be a resistance from the forces of hell. Don't you understand the story of Jesus when he was born, he was just a baby and what did Herod already do? Kill the baby. America says kill the baby. Kill it. Tax it, do whatever you need to do. Get rid of the baby because when that baby gets older, he's gonna come after me. He's pursuing my kingdom, he's gonna have his kingdom over my kingdom, and I can't have that. And that's exactly what God, what the devil wants to do in this church. Kill the baby while it's being formed. But God in his sovereignty saved Jesus. Brought him forth and he became and he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And at the age of 12, he confounded the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he preached in the synagogues. Let no man despise your age. And he began proclaiming the prophets and the Old Testament, and they looked at him. Where in the world did this child come? You don't recognize him. You best recognize he is your Messiah. But the devil's going to try to stop it at birth. Look at the story of Moses. Pharaoh is a representation of Satan. Egypt in the story is a representation, metaphor for the world. The Hebrew children were a metaphor for the children of God. God's proclamation, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to bring someone who is going to do that. And what did Satan do? What did Pharaoh do? Kill the baby. Kill it. Kill the baby. All the firstborn boys, kill them all. Because if I can stop this before it happens, then they've lost already. Not realizing that it was all a part of God's sovereign plan to take that baby and to even be allowed to be raised in the kingdom. Only for him to come back and at age 40, went away. 40 is the number of testing. He spent 40 days, at 40 years of age, he went to the backside of the desert, spent another 40 years, another testing. And 40 years later came back. Three stages, which is fulfillment. 40, 40, 40, three stages into completion fulfillment let my people go Satan you can't have my people Satan we are the children of God you've got to have the right perspective if there was a person that knew and understood trials the apostle Paul understood it he was shipwrecked he was abandoned he was beaten he was mocked he was bitten by vipers I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into different kinds of trials and testings. What we never stop to consider is what God might be doing, trying to change you and me, not the circumstances. He may and he he might not change your circumstances, but meanwhile, He wants to teach you and me a lesson. He's the headmaster. He's the school teacher. I am the student. And you'll miss out on the blessing by constantly begging him to change your circumstances and not giving him a chance to change you. God is not concerned about changing your circumstances as much as he is concerned about changing you. Had to come to realize that. When God moved us from Singapore 9 months ago to Vero Beach, Florida I didn't come here to do diddly squat. That's Greek for nothing. I learned that from Tim Smith. Jason Keane and Vanessa went on a quick trip and they bought me a plaque that says bless your heart I know what that means now (laughs) I didn't come here to do diddly squats I didn't come here to help the church I didn't come here for nothing God brought Chantha and his family so that he can change us That while going through the fire, it's going to deepen my desire to know the God that is higher. He had to bring me 10,000 miles away to learn that lesson. Can you believe that? God will do anything he can to have a deeper relationship with me. God will do anything he needs to do to have a deeper relationship with you. If that means to allow things to happen, he may very well do just that. But quit trying to change your circumstances. Maybe he's just trying to change you. And if we had a people who would understand that, maybe his glorious work could go ahead and just be now. What God is birthing in you could change the destiny of the world. Think about Mary and Joseph. What God is, what you feel like is aching and hurting and mood swings and up all nights and uncomfortableness, maybe that is what God is doing to to birth something in you that is greater than you can imagine. For the glory of God, As long as it is God-breathed, Satan will resist it. Take note. As long as it is God-breathed, Satan will resist it. When you start doing anything for God, when greatness is about to happen, the forces of hell are coming for you. But take heart my brother and sister greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world the gates of hell cannot prevail because he jesus will build his church hallelujah 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 let's say to know hallelujah in the name of jesus get The behind me. You are not welcomed here. Jesus is my husband. Jesus is my father. Jesus is my king. Jesus is the head of this church and the gates and all your cohorts and all your demons, you aren't welcomed here because he is Lord of all. Hallelujah. As long as it is God-breathed, Satan will resist it. Number two, not only must you have the right perspective, but you have to have the right response. So what is our responsibility in the process of trial and testing? James tells us in James 1, 4, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. How does James understand all this? In James one verse four, he tells us in, in, in a modern way of saying it, may I say it to you this way? Don't rush the washing machine. But, 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 but oh, I gotta hurry because I, I need that. But let steadfastness have its full effect. Let the dishwasher do what it's gotta do. Let the washing machine do what it's gotta do. It's gotta finish all the cycles, all of it. And the dirtier the cycle, the more pots and pans, you adjust it accordingly and it takes longer and it takes more heat. It takes more process because it's getting all the gunk out so that when you open that thing up, it's steaming hot. Ladies, you know how you get your facials. Oh, yeah, I got you. You're all all up in there and all of a sudden you look at that glass and how beautiful it is. Wow, Cascade, Ah, so nice. Me love you long time, so nice. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and the beauty perishes. So also will the rich fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Which God has promised to those who love him. Church. If we would just endure, we will receive the crown of life. And that crown is a glorious crown that Jesus wants to bestow upon his bride. It is the crown of life. It is a beautiful crown, a crown of glory and majesty so that everyone will know you are my beloved, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we'll have that moment when we enter into heaven's portals and walk through the corridors of heaven and we will fall at his majesty and say, God, I am not worthy. It's only by your grace and your goodness and your sovereignty and your love. I cast this crown at the feet of Jesus, but we will not have a crown if we will not endure. If we're going to go ahead and just complain, we ain't going to have a crown. If we're just going to go ahead and start doubting, we ain't going to have a crown. Pardon my English. I lived in Arkansas for 10 years. We're not going to have it. We're not going to get it. Ah, I wish they would have. I wish he, if, if they only, go ahead. Murmurs and complainers, doubters and scoffers tossed about. The Bible says in James, read it for yourself. Oh, you're just doubting, and you're tossed about. Should I stay? Should I go? Should I? Should I just wait? Should I? What should I do? Oh, but be ye steadfast, steadfast, unstable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let not your labor be in vain. Galatians six nine. Do not be weary, for in due season you will reap, if you faint not. But if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. How can you run with the chariots if you can't even run with the footmen? Oh, those are all scripture. How can the glory of God be declared on this church if we would just faint in the day of adversity? What crown are you even talking about? We're not gonna have anything to cast at his feet. It's not a crown for us to wear, for us to enjoy, for us to appreciate. It's a crown so that God himself can get the glory. Where's your crown? You working on it? Are you about done giving up? Don't rebel against your circumstances. We resist it, don't we? Allow the testing process to be brought to completion so you may receive the maximum benefit of God's teaching. The right response, don't rebel. Number two, the right response, ask for wisdom. This is an expository message on James. Look in it, read it, study it, meditate upon it. Ask for wisdom. I wanna tell you, Dear believer, you have a secret code. You have the secret code to a safe. You have a secret safe that is called God's wisdom. And all you need to do is use that code to unlock and receive all of his abundant wisdom and riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If any of you lack wisdom, Let him ask of God who gives to all men freely and he doesn't hold back. Most of those resources, the wisdom often is unused in your life because you haven't asked for it. God's wisdom is perhaps the greatest tool for your spiritual growth. God's wisdom is the defogger of your own fuzzy lenses when you ask the Lord for wisdom, when you pray for wisdom, you are opening yourself up to learn about God's overall purpose and plan. You are opening yourself up to receive God's perspective. Number three, you must rejoice in the midst of your trials. James 12 tells us, that we can truly rejoice in the midst of our trials. Why? Because the victories are already won. Our victories are are in Jesus and he already won them when he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. He defeated death, he defeated hell, he defeated the grave. All of that was defeated. Death is no longer. That's why you and I can claim the victory. Regardless of your circumstances, God has already given you the victory. The battle is his, and he's already won. Why did James tell us, rejoice, joy in your trials? Philippians tells us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. The Lord is at hand, but let your moderation be known unto all men. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Where's God's people that are needing to joy again? You may have lost your joy. You know why you've lost your joy? Because your joy was dependent upon someone. You've lost your joy because your your joy was dependent upon something. Your joy was dependent on as long as it's okay, then I have joy. But if your joy is found in Jesus, you can rejoice as many times as you need to because he's the source of joy and he's never lost joy. He's got enough joy for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. It's unlimited joy. Streams of living water. It flows forevermore. Hallelujah. Go back to the source. He's the fountain of life. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. And again I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Go back. If you've lost your joy, go back to the joy. You've left your first love. Jesus. Because if you were in love with Jesus, all of this, it really doesn't matter. Because he's got this. He's always got this. You just. Jesus, you just do whatever you are going to do because you got this. I'm the clay, you're the potter. Mold me and make me. I'm gonna ask Zach to join me on the platform. And as he does, he's gonna sing a song. I want you to think about the words of the song. But the invitation time, the time for response is right now. Let's all stand to our feet. As God is working in your heart, I wish I knew what God is doing in your heart. I don't. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's the pathway. Let God be God and every man a liar. Let God be God. If God, if today you're visiting our church for the very first time, we love you and God loves you. Or maybe you've been coming to our church for a while. We love you. But if you are not a child of God because you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you have not had your sins forgiven, maybe today is the day of your salvation. Join me up front. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you and share with you how you can know the love of God. Over the last two weeks, we've had incredible responses by God's people. Please know that I am not trying to get you to come to the altar. Please know that it is not a response, whether you come or not, if God's doing something in your heart, that's between you and God. But what I will say, it, it has been an encouragement to the body of Christ to see God's people respond. Oh, wow, God was doing something in my heart and you went forward because that maybe I can go forward too. Wow, you're going, you're going. Look at this. God's doing something in all of our hearts. Oh, hallelujah. And it has been incredible to see that encouragement. I've seen elders weep. I've seen pastors weep. I've seen uh, seen congregants come forward and just weep because God is breaking us and something glorious is happening in our midst. Would you respond to God again? And you, would you, if God leads you, would you come forward and help Let the church know that this is a safe place of transparency. Yes, I am imperfect, and God is doing something in my heart. And I'm better for it today than I came in. And we're okay with that because we're all broken people. Don't you kid me that you're perfect. Don't you kid God that you're perfect. But he is perfect. And he is perfect in all of his ways. That's why I can lean onto his everlasting arms. That's why I can rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I can hide underneath his wing. That's why I can go to the rock and stand by him because he stands by me. That's why I can lean upon him and not my own understanding. As Zach sings, as God has worked in your heart, would you respond to the Holy Spirit's voice in your own heart? God's people are coming, making their way, doing business with
1: God. climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. Nothing I hold on to. It's nothing I hold on to. It's nothing I hold on to. It's nothing I hold on.
0: Father, we give it all to you. We lean not on our own understanding. Lord, we are just feeble, weak. We need you. We need your sovereign love. We need your wisdom. We need your glory. We need your peace. We need your understanding. We need your righteousness, your justice, your mercy, which endures from generation to generation father this church belongs to you lord jesus you are the head of this church we give it all to you and we lean not to our own understanding with arms stretched wide open with hands completely open we offer this offering of praise of acknowledgement that Pathway Church belongs to you. Our bodies belong to you. Our life belongs to you. Our marriages belong to you. Our jobs belong to you. And we ask that you would take the offering and, Lord, that you would make something glorious and it would be a sweet savor to your nostrils. The book of Deuteronomy. We rejoice in our in knowing that god you are perfect in all of your ways we are going to rejoice and again we are going to rejoice have your will in your way we pray in jesus name amen